Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. Well, we are in a series right now that we're calling Unshakable. We're looking at the foundational truth of the many times, the seven times in fact, where Jesus made the statements, I am. Now, why are we doing this? Why is this important? Because we need to truly understand who Jesus is, yes? You know, we could come to church every Sunday. We could sit in a, in a worship service. We could read the Bible and really never allow the truth of who Jesus is to impact us. And the problem is when we, when we fail to allow Jesus to bombard our situation is that when we have those struggles, when the storms of life rage up against us, everything that we know and everything that we hold on to shakes at the core. And oftentimes we feel like we're going to fall off the cliff. Anybody ever been there before? Well, Jesus has come to be that unshakable foundation that we rest upon. Over the last several weeks, we've looked at the first four times that he's made this statement. He said, I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the the door. I'm the gate. He says, I'm the good shepherd. But today, I want to look at the fifth time that Jesus made this bold statement. I am. Am. Let me remind you, we discovered last week the word am literally means I exist to be. What does Jesus say this time? What is the, the fifth I am? What is the, the fifth purpose of Jesus' existence? Why is he here with us? We find in John chapter 11, verse 25, some great friends of Jesus reach out to him. They, they contact him. And just to let them know that their brother, Lazarus, his friend, is really, really sick. And they need Jesus to come and speak healing upon Lazarus. They believe that that Jesus has the ability to speak into the sick body and for Lazarus to be healed. But for some reason or another, Jesus hangs out for a few days before he goes to his friend. And the Bible says, by the time that he arrives on the scene... Lazarus, by this point, is dead for four days. In fact, the King James Version of the Bible says it this way. By this point, he stinketh. I love that portion of the King James. He stinketh. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been around something that was so dead that it stinketh? Someone just said politician. That's not what we're talking about today. I'm thinking about your trash can in the summertime. Your outdoor trash can that sits in that 100 degree Missouri weather from trash pickup to trash pickup. And by the time that poor trash man has to dump your trash into the trash truck, it truly stinketh. Yes? We have those things in our lives that are just so unpleasant to be around. Now in the midst of the the stinky situation, in the midst of the, the death, Jesus makes this very profound, grand statement to all around. He says in John chapter 11, verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection 
and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. Now, some of you don't appear to be very excited about that I am statement. Maybe because right now you're here and, and you're breathing, you're thinking it doesn't really apply to me because I have some form of life going on inside of me. I want you to buckle up, buttercup, because we're going to dive into what I believe that Jesus is saying to us today. You see, another translation says it this way. I am the one, Jesus is the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. Jesus is the one that takes someone from the point of stinketh into the point of true life. And I'm not just talking about a little bit of life. I'm talking about a life and a life more abundant. Jesus makes this unshakable statement that he and he alone offers life where death once dwelled. Where things once reeked of the stench of lifelessness now there's the possibility of real life. Now notice there, I said the possibility. No one is guaranteed life unless there's a response from the one that is lifeless. Lazarus has found himself in the tomb. He stinketh. He's wrapped in grave clothes, virtually mummified. A stone has been rolled in front of the tomb. The mourners are all around. The atmosphere of death and sorrow has set in. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus steps on the scene. And he says, I alone am the one that offers life to that which is dead. I alone am the resurrection. I alone am the one that can breathe life into your hopeless situation. I alone am the one that can bring you from death's door. I alone am the one that can roll away the stone. I alone am the one that can bring you out of the stench of death. I alone am the one that can breathe life into you again. You're here today. And your situation finds itself in an atmosphere of death. Maybe you say, well, pastor, I'm breathing, therefore I must be living. Hold on to that for a moment. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Let's look at the difference between death and life. Death, by definition, is the cessation of life. It's a big word, cessation. But it literally means termination or, or halting or a conclusion of. There's a conclusion of life. There's a, a halting of life. Some of you are here and you're not really living life. There's a cessation of life. You're just existing. You're virtually mummified. The door is almost closed and a stench is beginning to well up in the air. The determination of real life inside of you. But in the midst of that atmosphere, Jesus looks to you just as he looked to Mary and Martha and the mourners around that day. He says, I alone, I'm the resurrection. 
I'm the one that can raise the dead. I'm the one that can speak life into you once again. The word life simply means the state of living. One source that I was reading made this statement. It kind of set me back for a moment. It said the, the real definition of life is so controversial. The definition of life is controversial. And I began to think about that for a moment. I thought, isn't death death and isn't life life? And I said, well, let's, let's put it in context of Lazarus. If this thing that you are calling life stinketh, then I question whether you are actually living. If this existence 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, if this existence stinketh, could it be that there's a cessation of life? Could it be that there's a, a halting of life going on in your atmosphere? Jesus says that he came to give us life. He came for you, and the question is, are you willing to come out of the tomb? Now notice a moment ago I said there's the opportunity, an option, the possibility of life. We're going to find out later in the message that, that Lazarus did in fact come out of the tomb. But what would have happened if Lazarus, the man that had been dead for four days, the man that was already mummified, the man that everybody was mourning, and the man behind the stone wall, could it be that what would happen if he chose not to respond, that he would have stayed dead? I'm afraid there are some of us in the house today that we've gotten comfortable among the stench. We've gotten comfortable in the grave clothes. We've kind of gotten used to the darkness and the atmosphere of death. There's a cessation of life, but we're satisfied in it. Maybe that's where you're hanging out today. You're dead. You're stinking it up. You're wrapped in lifelessness. And you're trapped in the tomb. I want you to remember our, our text says that Jesus made the statement, I am the resurrection and the life. I want to break that apart just for a moment. The first thing he says is, I am the resurrection. What does this word resurrection mean? It's bringing back to life. He's speaking directly to those that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You see, this physical death, come on, hold on to this. This physical death that we all experience, the Bible says that everyone has an appointed time in which to die. Boy, that's encouraging, right? Oh, it is. It really is encouraging because those that have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and maybe you haven't done that yet, maybe you're here today and you don't have that connection with Him, I want you to hold on because I'm going to give you that opportunity. That's why you're here today. 
Jesus has brought you to this place for such a time as this. Today, the Bible says, is your day of salvation. Today is your day of life. Today is your day of beginning to live. He was speaking to those that have entrusted their lives to him. You see, physical death doesn't have to be a a tragic end of life. Physical death does not have to be an emotional roller coaster moment. You see, here's the reason why it is simply a pass through. It's a pass through to eternity with Him. You see, if you've given your life to Jesus, I've got some great news for you. What you're experiencing right now is not as good as it gets. For there's coming a day when you will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's coming a day when you'll stand in the presence of God Almighty. There's coming a day when you'll begin your eternity with Him. Death in this physical body is to be presence with the Lord. It's stepping out of the temporary into the eternal. It's stepping out of this mortal body into the immortal body with Him. But I've got to be honest with you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is it. This is the best it gets. It's downhill from this point. It's a roller coaster of destruction from this moment on. See, in John 11, 25, the latter portion, Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will live. Anyone. It's all-inclusive. No one left out. Anyone who believes in Jesus will live even after dying. Why? Because he's the resurrection and the life. What we're talking about here is life after death. Jesus personally came. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave for you and you and you and me. He came to be our resurrection. He came to be our life. There's coming a day when he's going to call us home. You see, this world that we're living in is just our temporary home. It's our extended stay if you would. But one day we're going to be with Him. The good news is we don't have to wait until a later date. We don't have to wait until there's a cessation of life in this physical being. The Bible tells me in 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4, one of my favorite scriptures, it says, what a God we have. Come on, can anybody shout that today? What a God we have. And how fortunate We are to have him, this father of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. But here's what I want you to see, and that future starts when? So why is it that we fail to really live? Why is it that even as Christians, we fail 
to really live. Oh, how's it going? Well, another day, another dollar. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Well, I'm halfway to Midland. I'm doing all right. That's not the life we've been called to live. John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. I've come to give you a full, rich, satisfying life. So why is it that we fail to tap into the fact that he is our life? Could it be? Could it be that we've chosen to stay wrapped in the grave clothes? Could it be that we've, we've chosen to hang out in the stench of death? Jesus not only came to be our resurrection, but he came to be our life. But here's a question that begs to be asked. If Jesus came to give us real life, why does this life seem to stink? Man, life just stinks. Have you ever said that? If Jesus came to give us life, why does this life stink? Could it be, could the answer be that what we are embracing as life is actually death? Could it be that, that what we're allowing to mask itself as life is actually death? For the next few moments, I want to talk about four things that I see in this statement that Jesus makes. Four things that, that he offers to us. Number one is this. Spiritual sickness without Jesus will lead to death. Spiritual sickness without Jesus will lead to death. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. In the past, you were dead. That's for every one of us. The Bible says we all sin. We all fall short. So in the past, we were dead. We were separated from the one, the only, that gives life. Therefore, death began to set in. We began to really stink. And we were in the tomb. And death's atmosphere was encompassing all around us. We were dead dead because you sinned and fought against God. You followed the ways, I want you to listen carefully to this, you followed the ways of this world and obeyed the devil. Now some of you were with me when I said you followed the ways of this world. Some of you are like, well yeah, you know when I was a teenager, I was doing what everyone else was doing. I was just following their advice. I was just following my friends. I was just doing what the world was doing. Well, guess what? You're not only doing what the world is doing, you're obeying the lies of the enemy. Without Jesus, we're not truly living. We're separated from him. We're literally spiritual zombies attempting to live among the dead. And we wonder why this life stinks. Paul says that when we are separated from God, we obey the devil. I don't know about you, but that's hard to chew on. Some of you are thinking in your head right now, Pastor, are you calling me a Satan worshiper? Is that what you're saying right now? Well, here's what I'm saying. 
There's nothing in between. It's impossible to be a, a partial Christian. Jesus said it this way, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you up. Sometimes we read the, the, the easier translation where he says, I'll spit you out of my mouth. But literally, I will vomit you up. I can't stomach that. Jesus says, I would rather you be hot or cold, one or the other. Why would Jesus want us to be cold? Because then we know where we are. Some of us are just playing games. We're pretending to be alive, but we stinketh. There's a stench of death all around us. There's no partial, there's no almost. It's either you serve God or you don't. Well, I come to church, so what? So what? The devil knows the Bible. Look where that's got him. There's no halfway. There's no partial. Either you follow Christ or you don't. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you're committed to him or you're not. Well, I don't really need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, you don't need a parachute to jump out of a helicopter either. It helps. <laughs> anyway. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Apart from Jesus, we are dead. Spiritual sickness without Jesus leads to death. The wages of sin is death. But he goes on to say, but the free gift of God, what he offers to you, what the possibility is for you, is life. Is a life change. Is a heart transformation. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even when we were dead, even when we stinketh, because of our sins, he gave us life. As a people, we are so busy with things. We're so distracted with things. That we lose sight of the life giver. See, that's the next thing that I've noticed here. Uh, you must choose what to dwell on. In our story today, you've got two sisters, Mary and Martha. Their brother was, was sick, so they send message for Jesus. And then Jesus holds off for just a little bit. Lazarus dies, they, they place him in the tomb, they've mummified him, they put the, the stone in front, and the mourners are all around, there's a stench in the air, and, and these two sisters come running to Jesus one at a time, and they, they had the same response to him. They said, if you had only been here, Jesus, if you had been here when we sent you the message, I text you 25 times, and you never responded. I think some of us have Jesus blocked. Ooh. Well, that just got real, didn't it? I messaged you and you didn't show up. If you had been here when Lazarus was sick, you could have healed him. Have you ever had that conversation with Jesus? 
Jesus, if you would just deliver me in that moment, if you would just give me wisdom in that moment, if you would just give me clarity of mind in that moment, if you would just stepped in in that moment, we wouldn't be, I wouldn't be in this mess now. Well, let me ask you a question. Which is bigger, your God or your worry? Which is bigger? Some of us look at the life giver and we say, now it's impossible because you didn't show up when I needed you to show up and now look at the mess I'm in. I'm facing death. Why not say, Lord, even amongst the stench, even when the atmosphere all around me seems impossible, even when I feel lifeless, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. You see, the mourners were all around. The stench was in the air. Death was obvious everywhere they went. But in the midst of the mourning, in the midst of the stench, they failed to truly dwell upon Jesus, the one that stated, I am the resurrection and the life, the one capable of bringing hope in a hopeless situation. It was their choice. Which would they choose? Death or life? I ask you the same. In the middle of your circumstance, which are you going to choose? Are you going to embrace the death that this world offers? Or embrace life. You see, Mary and Martha both had faith. They did. In fact, Martha even admitted that she always believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But she approached death with limited faith. They both believed that Jesus could heal sick Lazarus, but dead Lazarus is impossible. Jesus could reach into sick Lazarus' life because we've seen him restore the sick before. Jesus could do that, but now Lazarus stinketh. There's no hope. Some of you are walking around today in the midst of death, and for some reason or another, you're questioning the ability of God to breathe life back into your circumstance. Remember, he's the resurrection and the life. It's time to, to refocus. It's time to get our eyes off the temporary. See, these troubles, the Bible goes on in verse 17 to say, the, the troubles that life present will only last a moment. We see that in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. But in verse 18, it says, So we do not look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that we cannot see. That's hard. Especially for Missourians. We're the show-me state. The proof's in the pudding. You know, we want to see it. We want to hold on to it. We want to grab a hold of it. But the Bible says, get your eyes off those temporary things. Fix your eyes. 
Fix your gaze on the things you cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. These troubles, these things you're going through, they'll last for a season. And then they're gone. Why not turn to the one that offers life? You see, the more that we dwell on death, the more it stinks. It's vital that as a Christian, we learn to focus on the life giver, not the death that lies in the atmosphere. Life is, in fact, available, yet the mourners all, all around. The tomb door is almost closed. So we get so fixated on death that we lose sight of the possibility of life. We believe that Jesus can work in the sick, but we're not sure he could work in the dead. The third observation. Your spiritual death breaks the heart of God. Did you know that? Your spiritual death breaks God's heart. We find Jesus he approaches the tomb of Lazarus. He's looking around and he's seeing Mary and Martha, his dear friends, and they're, they're weeping as many of us do at, at funerals. He is seeing all the mourners around and he's moved with compassion. The Bible says when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirits. He was greatly troubled. And he said, where have they laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And look what it says. Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Why did Jesus begin to, to cry in that moment? What, was, was he crying because... Because those around weren't really believing in him? Was he crying because, because his friend had died? Was he crying because he failed to believe that he could bring life back? No, 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 no. I believe that he was, he was crying because his heart broke for them. The word wept here literally means that he burst into tears and then wept quietly. He burst into tears. He looked upon the crowd. He looked upon Mary. He looked upon Martha. And he was so moved. He broke into tears. It's the same Jesus that as he was on the road to Jerusalem in the midst of the triumphal entry, he paused on the edge of the city and wept. Why? Because so many were spiritually dead. I believe that it crushes the very heart of God. It crushes the heart of our Lord to see so many walking around in grave clothes. Ephesians 4.30 And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Wow. Don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit's by walking around in death. Remember, he has identified you as his, his own. That literally means that he has put his seal upon you. He has branded you 
as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is grieved. His heart breaks for you. Why? Because Jesus has offered life. Yet so many of us, we lose sight of life and focus on death. The final observation that I see is this. Sometimes we need a friend to move the, the contributors of death. Sometimes we need a friend to remove the contributors of death. The stench, the walls, that which enslaves us, that which confines us, those things that seem impossible to move on our own. It is then that we need one another. It's in the midst of the stench that we need our brothers and our sisters in Christ to assist in that moment. Jesus said in John eleven thirty nine, 39, he says, roll the stone aside. Unwrap him and let him go. Roll the stone. Uh, why didn't he just call into the tomb? Lazarus, I know you're in there. I know it stinks real bad, but here's what I need you to do. Get rid of the stinky clothes and roll that stone away. Why didn't he just do that? Because Lazarus couldn't do it on his own. Likewise, there are some of you in this place, you're trying to remove the stench of death by yourselves. You're trying to do this on your own, but guess what? We were never created to do life by ourselves. It's extremely difficult, if not impossible, to move that stone, to unwrap the stench off of us. We need one another. I want you to know that you are not alone in this journey. You are not by yourself in this journey of life. Jesus today is looking directly at you and he's calling you out of the darkness. He's calling you out of the grave clothes. He's calling you out of the stench. He's calling you out of death. And he's calling you to life. But you need somebody to walk beside you. See, Jesus doesn't need our help to wash us, to give us that life. He can do that all by himself. All we have to do is come to him saying, Lord, here I am. I'm dead. I stink. But sometimes to stay out of the tomb, we need one another. We need the encouragement of one another. We need people praying for us. We need people correcting us. We need people walking side by side with us. I want to encourage every one of you, do not ever attempt to be by yourself. Don't try to do this on your own. You need one another. I need you. You need me. You need the person across the room. You need the individual that attends the other service. Those of you that are watching online, you were never created to do this by yourself. We need one another. Lazarus needed a friend to roll away the stone. 
Lazarus needed somebody that didn't mind getting close to the stench of death. He needed somebody that would step in and, and take off the grave clothes. I can imagine the smell as they were peeling off the grave clothes. He stinks. Can I just tell you, some of us in the midst of our death, we stink. We do. We're rotten. We're decaying. We focused upon death's atmosphere. We literally reek of death. But we need those around us. Jesus desires to bring us from death to life today. Jesus wants to be your resurrection. He says, I and I alone am the one that can bring life to death. I'm the only one that can change what's happening inside of you today. So I ask you, would you allow Jesus to step in to be your resurrection today? He's given you life. It's time to truly begin to live. And as the Bible stated a moment ago, your future begins now.